The App Guide podcast is brought to you by Apptentive. See how the best brands in the world use Apptentive to succeed. Go to apptentive.com. That's A-P-P-T-E-N-T-I-V-E. Apptentive.com forward slash Apptentive all lowercase, all forward slash app guy, and you'll see why the best brands in the world use Apptentive to succeed. Gummy Cube, dedicated to helping your mobile app find its audience. For all App Store optimization services and more, go to gummycube.com. That's G-U-M-M-I-C-U-B-E, gummycube.com. Thanks to Gummy Cube for supporting this show. B7Dev, that's b7dev.com. App design and development, they make your app idea become a reality. The founder called Haim is a very good friend of mine, so make sure that you mention my name when you reach out to them. Thanks very much to B7Dev. And by Newmob, N-E-U-M-O-B. Newmob makes sure your apps have faster load times and better performance. Newmob helps app developers keep their existing users and drive maximum revenues anywhere in the world. Go to newmob.com, that's N-E-U-M-O-B.com. I am Fabrizio Perrone, CEO and founder of Bazool, and I listen to the App Guy podcast. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host, Paul Kemp. I get CEOs and founders and anyone who we can learn from for our own journeys. I'm going to go straight into the introduction. This is a great guest. He's doing a lot with social networks. We're going to find out about his company. This is the CEO of MXO Pulse. His name is Ethan West, and he's built a college social network. Ethan, welcome to the App Guy podcast. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. So tell us about MX Pulse and what is it you're offering to these colleges? Okay, so MXO Pulse, it stands for a mix of, and that's it's a mix of everything. It's real life on your phone for college students to have their very own social network. Like it used to be about 10 to 12 years ago when Facebook was a college-only social network. And that's what we're bringing back to these college students. This is great. So what got you started? I guess, did you watch the uh, film Social Network and you thought, <laughs> right, I want a bit of that? <laughs> Actually, I had more of a real-life situation. I, I do love that movie. However, I'm six months younger than Mark Zuckerberg. So when I was in college, I was a freshman when I heard about it from a friend of mine out in Washington state. And that's because things spread up along the coast, the Pacific coast, uh, once he moved out to, uh, out to California. And when I was in college and I found out when I was a junior that they were going to let everybody else on Facebook, I remember thinking that it would make it lose its cool. And I think I was right. Then nine years later, I kind of fell into it and I was like, okay, I'm going to give uh, a college social network again. I'm going to give it a shot. That's terrific. So, I mean, what we, do is get inspired by these journeys. And I wondered how you're doing this. You know, are you doing this full-time or is this like a side project for you whilst you're working in a full-time job? Tell us how you're supporting yourself going through this journey. So I've had um, about four or five times over, I've actually gone back to work and then started. I've never stopped working on this for actually almost four years now. And in doing so, I've had to start jobs again. I have to um, go full-time on that. Right now, I'm actually full-time on this while my roommates are working other jobs for us to support ourselves, as well as living off some of our investors that have uh, supported you know, the cause. So I do marketing all day, call on college students to be CEOs of their campus and to help recruit brand ambassadors and to build this culture amongst the college community. I think what we can learn from you is the fact that I'm sure your pitch to investors is very compelling. 
given the history of college social networks. And so I wondered how easy it was to get investor backing for this project. Well, I think you're familiar with this. It's not easy to raise money. Although I am rather compelling, it's a good way of saying it. And I'm very confident in my success for this company and for how it's going to change things all over the country and eventually the world. I will tell you that one thing I read when Zuckerberg got, uh, got money, it was actually because he was a college student. And me not being a college student is actually to a disadvantage. However, I'm still believing that college students in the future will help raise even more money once they're on board because people want to know, hey, what do you want? And they're going to trust the college student even more than the CEO. Absolutely. Yeah. So any tips on anyone who's going through the process of fundraising right now from what you've learned you know, in your experience? Yeah. First off, it's important if you have the money to put your own money in first. That's what I did. And that carried us for the first couple of years. Then you got to find co-founders that also will be able to risk their money too. And we also had that with my co-founder. So that's the first thing. My investor, the, the biggest investor we had uh, invested in us because we put our money where our mouth was. And also, it's very the most important thing people don't realize is that you have to have a co-founder. You can't be successful without it because they even each other out. And also, without, without that, you wouldn't have as many connections. So the first priority of business is when you're ready, take on a co-founder. My co-founder didn't come on until six months after I started, but it was probably the right amount of time when that should start. So, And one of the things we've learned from, I mean, we've done 450 episodes now of this show. And one of the things coming out is the importance of like a, a good co-founder and building up a good team. I wondered how you'd gone about it, getting the right people on board. Well, my co-founder, I had known her for six years before, well, for, for three or four years before that. So that's how we got started. We were friends. And then it kind of went from there. The third person's actually the hardest, usually, not the second person, at least I found. <laughs> okay. I'm really intrigued as well. I know there's a lot of people listening who are perhaps starting their journey. Maybe they're leaving uni, college, an MBA. You've obviously chosen a lifestyle as an entrepreneur, a startup founder. I wondered if you had any advice for anyone who's, because you could have gone the other route, I'm guessing. What advice have you got for anyone who's deciding what to do with their life? You know, is it worth it, the life as an entrepreneur? I think that you don't actually have a choice. I think either you are or you aren't. And if you are, you can't help but do it. And if you aren't, you're going to be scared away from doing it. And then that's just the way it's supposed to be. You know, it's the best answer I've ever had to that. Uh, you don't have any choice. I guess you know if you know. So any tips for, uh, I guess, if you are going to you know, support your own company coming out of college uh, yourself? I mean, any tips on how to cope with the probably the lack of um, fun, flow of money for the first few years? I started this company when I was 27 and I made money before that. So I always think for my journey, but I know everybody's different. Entrepreneurship is not, you have to earn it, the right to do that. That's just from my perspective, right? Because you have to have some skill and some experience and things that you have to know that other people don't. However, I am well aware that 18, 19, 20-year-olds now are starting companies and it's very impressive. So with regards to them, if it's something that it requires a lot of capital, then I don't know how you're going to raise that capital unless you have it from, say, you know, a fund or your family or just connectivity, right? And that's always possible. And sometimes they're the best people to invest in. However, my business was more of a capital-intensive kind of application and I was not a developer. So it's, it depends on the type of person, the type of business that you're launching. But if you're in 18, 19, or 20, my, my best guess is that you're going to be doing it very uh, much on your own without having to raise a lot of money and then more power to you. But usually you got to put your own money in if you're going to build something that's going to have a massive potential. And that's what I was going for. Yeah, we've had on the show a lot of horror stories where someone's come up with an idea, they've gone to a developer and they've lost like a lot of money. 
getting the wrong developers. Any advice for us on, you know, if you're not technically minded yourself, on actually appointing a, a developer and getting the app built? Well, that's a great kind of combo because you have a situation where if you have to be either good at people or good with technicalities, and everybody's usually good at one or the other. It depends how good you are. My strength is being good with people. And I have to be really good at that because otherwise, yeah, those horror stories of, you know, some people even lose their code or whatever. And the troubles just start from there, right? Or their attorneys get involved. I couldn't afford that. When I, if I knew that I was going to be successful, I better have a lot of trust and a lot of good choice in picking who I want to choose. So we've actually switched uh, development teams three times. And I've actually never had a bad experience with any of them. I had a great experience with all of them. And that's just because I made good choices, got very lucky, used my relationships, and just used my personal skills uh, to find good technical <laughs> skills. This is great because you're picking up on all these big themes that are coming out the show. The fact that have a network and rely on the network, that's the one thing I'm learning from you here, is uh, you know, rather than just going to a, a, an agency uh, that you don't know, but rely on your network. Is that fair? Yeah, it's fair. And actually, the first two places that I got connected to were just through um, local and through Google. So I didn't have any prior relationship with them. Um, how you and me are on the phone right now through our company that was in India, that was through a, um, a connection that I actually met through Meetup, which was just a cold thing. So yes, you're correct. But in my circumstances, I actually went like cold calling my future developers and where I ran into them at a Meetup for sure. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so let's talk about the discoverability of um, what you're doing. One of the big challenges that often faced by anyone in this game is uh, getting their uh, product, their app, whatever they're offering noticed you know, in, by the world. How are you actually uh, getting into colleges then? Is it organic or are you uh, doing it for sort of more aggressively than that? Oh, define uh, organic versus aggressive. Yeah, so organic being word of mouth, I guess how uh, a lot, <laughs> how the Facebook really grew, um, and everyone was telling everyone else. But then other strategies are appointing a PR agency, pushing out the message, uh, getting the press involved, that kind of stuff. Gotcha. So aggressive for. means you got to have a lot of money, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then I'm definitely not aggressive, but I'm definitely an aggressive organic, which means that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I yeah. want to clear up the definition because I'm aggressively organically going after word of mouth. And what that means is I'm calling students, cold calling. I've done sales my whole life. So I'm cold calling students and asking them, basically, I don't say it like this, but if they want to change the world and changing the world in a different way, which is, I'll, I'll just tell you what I've been telling them lately is that my significant offering that I have is that I want to change the way people, you know, back in the day, people used to work for a company forever. And you stay with one company, kind of like how Kobe lasted 20 years with the Lakers. He's the only NBA player to ever stick with one team for 20 years. And that says something. And that's one of the things that he's going to be remembered most. Our company, I don't ever want people to leave my business. You spend a lot of time and energy getting them. And I want them to grow with the company and be with me forever and be with the company forever and grow within the company. And if they want to start their own thing, they can do that too. And so that's what I'm offering students, a chance to have an opportunity with a company where they don't need to look for a new internship every summer. They don't need to learn 10 skills at 10 different jobs. They can learn 100 skills at one place and to grow as a family. And that's what I've always wanted to do. My dad's an entrepreneur, CEO, so that's all part of how it's a part of you. And so many people have come in and out of his office. When I was growing up, I knew that one day if I ever did have a company, I wouldn't allow that to happen to my company. And so I treat my company like family. And as long as people are contributing, then I don't ever want them to leave. So that's actually what I'm selling college students on this foreign notion that they never even thought about. And that even other than me, other people don't even talk about. And that's that you can have an opportunity where you can grow with an organization because it's going to keep innovating and you can get a job your freshman year 
and stay with them till you're 95 years old. And that just doesn't exist right now. And so that's how I'm going about is getting people to build this community by the community. And that's what it's all about. Ethan, that is inspirational. I mean, this is why I did the podcast to start off with is to meet people like yourself that are changing the world in a way. And I think you're probably the first guest as well that has actually picked up the phone and, and started cold calling their potential <laughs> users. But it just makes a lot of sense, right? Because yep. um, you get one super, I'm guessing that you get like one active user, one super fan that they become salespeople within themselves promoting the app and it can work out quite beneficial. Yeah. And it's not even so simple as that because what I've been learning, I've been actually cold calling for since we launched 1.3, which is about a month ago. Um, what I'm finding is the only way for this to work, because even though the app's quite simple, it's got to be explained because it's not such a, like a swipe left, swipe right, like Tinder. It's much more sophisticated, but still is actually even simpler than probably Tinder if someone understands it. And so what I have to do in order for this thing to work is I have to get the brand ambassadors to bring, you know, I want to bring the world together. They got to bring their students together. They're an extension of me and the company. And so if this thing is going to work and when it will, their job right now is to recruit a lot of students that what I was just talking about, about, you know, being a part of a company, but also if they just want to learn about the, the app or users or just want to, you know, meet a CEO, right? Or an entrepreneur. Their job right now is actually to get a FaceTime call with me and as many people at their college to have a FaceTime call with me and meet the CEO directly. And actually, it's kind of like the Bernie Sanders campaign. That's the best way of looking at it. This episode is brought to you by Apptentive. Apptentive have a great intelligent ratings prompt. So what does that mean? It means that you can drive five-star reviews, which obviously then means your app is going to climb the charts. So what you can do is you can prompt the user, ask the question, hey, do you like the app? Yes or no? It's pretty obvious that if they hit yes, you want to take them to the review page so they can leave a really cool review. If they hit no, you do not want to take them to the review page. You want to take them to the inbuilt messaging center where you can actually communicate with them two way and find out why they don't like the app. So keep those criticisms off of the review page and help your app climb the charts by only driving five-star reviews to the review page. Uh, go and check them out. It's apptentive.com forward slash app guy. That's apptentive.com forward slash app guy. They will give you a free consultation. And thank you so much to Apptentive for supporting this show. So let me thank who I think is the planet's best app store optimization company, and that is GummyCube. Now, GummyCube are a San Francisco-based company, but they can deal with you wherever you are. They are an app store optimization technology company. They leverage big data from the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store, and they use this to feed their algorithms, which helps you to be more effective with search on the App Store. Now, one of the biggest discoveries they've made over the last few years is that web search and mobile search are completely different. So they collect big data, it's called DataCube, and this is from the app stores, not the web search. So this means that you can be much, much more effective with optimizing your apps for the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. So I highly recommend going and checking them out. It's www.gummycube.com, G-U-M-M-I-C-U-B-E, gummycube.com. And just thank you, GummyCube, for being such a great supporter of this show. There's two more things that we need to do before uh, we say goodbye to you. One is, I just want to pick up on, like, let's get some brand ambassadors for uh, for you now. So do you have like a story of someone you've met who is a brand ambassador for you, is, is loving the app, and how they're actually using it 
to you know change the world? Sure. Well, the brand ambassadors that I have right now, they have to make it work at their school. So it's all about being inspired by just conversing with me over a number of times. So there's a few examples of people that I'm building on the team, but what's really going to inspire them is when they start seeing other friends at their school using it. And we're right in the midst of that. So we're focusing on a few schools, but do I have one specific brand ambassador that's just like loving it? Not really, not quite yet because their whole school isn't on it. And that's the challenge. It's the chicken and the egg theory. And so that's where I'm at right now. But if you go, if anybody is listening and going to a, a college in the United States and they, they're inspired by this conversation, then by all means, they should be able to, um, I guess you have my contact information and to reach out to me and just be a part of something because everybody always says they want to be on the ground floor of a company, but then the people that actually do it when they get the chance is a much smaller number, I figure. So this is for people that actually want to make things happen. That's what this company is all about. Yeah, so it's not easy being first, but it is the best. Absolutely. I mean, that's why we all hate Facebook is that we're kind of forced to go on it because everyone else is on there. And Well, that's exactly right. That's the whole point of this. I'm trying to give people an alternative, but people say, well, everybody's on it. Well, it's not going to start unless someone starts moving it. And by the way, you know, there was Friendster before MySpace and there was MySpace before Facebook. So there's going to be something after Facebook. It's just what will it be? And that's because it's that hard and that lucky to actually make it happen. But it is what people want. They just don't want to be the first to leave. So it takes a couple of leaders and then one day it will actually happen. Uh, Facebook will still be around, but it just, it lost its cool. And that's all. Now, how are you going to prevent some of the mistakes, I guess, that you were talking about from, well, probably not mistakes, but the fact that the core users of Facebook were college students and then uh, it kind of it, it blew up to something else. But how are you going to keep it with your core audience? Oh, well, that's, that's innovation, my man. That is being a business person first. And this is the hardest part for me. The last four years, it goes against what I'm good at. It's the technical side of it. Building an application and sticking with something for four years when you don't know how to do code is the hardest part. I think the hardest part for any technical company that's out there, whether it be LinkedIn, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, it doesn't matter what, it's that they're not business people first. They're technical people first. And so their struggles were making good decisions on the business side. And so I plan on innovating and growing and having a multitude of products and services. And, and um, I may be more than just college one day, but I'll never lose our focus because the very people that I want to hire are going to be college students. And so I'm going to always be focused on that. And that's our culture. I want to be the first college company. There is no college company. And I want to be a college company. I love that mission. I'm guessing that the mission that you're on and the way you promote the mission is actually working out really well for you because then that draws the people to you. Is it important to have a mission, purpose? 100%. You're, you're in a spot pretty good because I'm learning about that literally this morning when I call people. And that's that, you know, I want people to get to know me, but they don't get to know me. They just want to know what is it about me that they should care about. And that's the mission right there because, you know, I'm saying, how am I going to get people on the phone interested in having another call with me and getting their friends to do a FaceTime meeting with me? And there's only one way. And that's for them to understand something that is something that we share together. And what we share together is this notion that they haven't thought about before and that I want to create, which is a, is a lifetime with one company. And that's what I have because I've always felt that way. But if I don't explain to someone or tell it to somebody, and I have, I have not, I've not told people that and I, I don't have the same response. But if I say, hey, what do you think about this? They go, well, yeah, I like that because who wouldn't like that? Who wants to keep looking for other jobs? Nobody does. You don't switch homes every six months. So why would you want to switch jobs every six months? That's not how you build relationships. And so far, I've gone about 100% with people that want to do that. And that's because I know that's a, human, that's a human element that we all want. And so that's a mission right there, a mission to change the way their life is. And that's what they care about first. And then if it changes the world, that's what they care about second. But it's all about how can they, what is this in for me? 
Oh, I don't have to find another job ever again. Hmm. That's interesting. I could start a company from this company. Yeah. You know, it's all about not micromanaging the world before us. Didn't know how to do that. I never understood why management was so hard because for me, it's just about people, but apparently not everybody's good with people. And I guess that's a good thing to have. You know, this is quite timely as well, because it comes on the back of a conversation I had for anyone listening. It's episode 450, where the guy, the founder grew the company from his dorm room to a hundred million dollar revenue. And it was all about the kind of the question of why on earth do you spend all this time trying to hire people and then they can't work for you because, you know, they get a, they have a baby, they have to move. Oh, sure. It's just crazy. That's exactly what, that's interesting. I'll have to listen to that. Sure. Yeah. Ethan, let's talk about then how to reach out and connect with you. I mean, for anyone who's a regular listener, you know, you can go to theappguy.co. This is episode 452. Just search for Ethan West and you'll get links to uh, Ethan there and MXO Paulson. But how best to reach out and connect with you personally? What's the best way of getting in touch? All right. The best way to get in touch with me is I'm actually very, um, not, I don't use social media, ironically. <laughs> um, it's like, don't, I don't tell me you Facebook. hate Facebook that much that you, uh, you're yeah, not on I, it. Yeah. You know, just to that point though, I don't use any, I don't like the way technology is made. I like what it can do if it's easy, but it's for the end user. I'm an end user. If you have to click more than one button to see something, I get lost and it gets me frustrated. Um, I want something simple. So that's why um, I'm making an app that's simple. The best way to get in touch with me is actually just calling me on a cell phone. I heard they still have those. My goodness. But we've not heard <laughs> that before. <laughs> You're going to so give out a telephone number, are you? <laughs> yeah, my telephone number is 717-880-6080. And 717-880-6080. 6080. Obviously, that's yeah. only relevant to anyone in the US. Yeah, 717-880-6080. Right. And outside the US, there's an error code. And I also happen to receive texts, which is pretty amazing. So you can text the very same number. Right. Okay. Ethan, you have uh, just won the honor of probably being the first out of 452 founders and CEOs <laughs> to give out the telephone number. So that actually is a genius, really genius. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so much easier to talk to someone. I'm on my phone right now talking to you. It's worked out just fine. Yeah, that's terrific. Well, look, thanks for coming on and sharing your journey with us on this uh, show. Uh, I've totally been inspired. Uh, I really can't wait to see where it goes and hopefully at some point you'll expand beyond the u.s and uh, oh i plan to i cannot wait actually i'm looking you know the thing about it too i feel like it's going to be easier in the outside of the u.s not just because our app will be further along but the challenge and the, the blessing that i've had is that the expectations of, of 20 year old college students in this country is just tremendous we've raised the bar of our society to this ridiculously high level that my app is never going to be good enough until it's like perfect and until then, nobody's going to really know about it as much as they would have. So it's raising my game. But in other countries, I mean, there's going to be a little more uh, openness to like that things do evolve, which I think some people don't remember that that's how things happen here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had some funny stories of uh, just the, the reviews sometimes of apps, you know, and the fact that here's a free app, you know, we've spent four years, sometimes seven years working on these things. And immediately it doesn't do one thing and hey that's a one-star review and it's just uh, the, the, audi <laughs> the audience for us that's is right. pretty hard huh they would look for one thing that's wrong with it it's like look what's right and so i actually have to tell that to the people that are on my team that guys people only care about one thing and if they look at it and complain that's not the purpose we're not here for getting reviews and and getting feedback we're here to get people to try it out and the worst is when someone's like yeah we did a focus group with like five people and i said well then how come i don't have five members on on this division of the app well, they didn't sign up. How can you give me a focus group 
that doesn't try the app. That is the worst focus group ever. Well, they all used one phone. It doesn't make any sense. So yeah. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we'll, we'll, grow, we'll grow outside the US for sure and, and hopefully the next couple of years. Wonderful. Ethan, thanks ever so much. Thank you, Paul. This episode has been brought to you by Apptentive. Apptentive are offering a free 55-page ebook on how to get the best ratings and reviews. To find out more, just go to apptentive.com forward slash appguy. That's apptentive.com forward slash appguy. And thank you very much to Apptentive for supporting the show. So remember to go and check out www.gummycube.com. That's G-U-M-M-I-C-U-B-E.com, who are the world's best app store optimization company. And I highly recommend using them to improve the optimization of your apps and help them get discovered in the app store and use their algorithms and their data cube from the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. So www.gummycube.com. And thanks to Gummycube for being such a great supporter of this show. 